This episode is brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonable recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. So they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. Whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash I love you. We know that you'll love it because I love it. I'm Greg Miller. I've used it. I've made the buffalo chicken sandwiches. You've heard me talk about this. You'll love how good it feels and taste to create incredible home cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash I love you. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. What's up, everybody? Welcome to PSI Love You XOXO, episode 45. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the pride of Long Island, Colin Moriarty. It's good to be here with you today. The new look, which is the, the old, old look. look. That's a fusion of the new and the old. I is say. it? I a guess because you got the five o'clock shadow now mm. permanently. How now are you going to keep on top of this the entire time? No, definitely. Not. You're just going to let the beard go again? Yeah, just, just let it do what it has. See what happens. You okay. know, I went to a barber for the first time in eight years. Yeah. Did he call you Mike or whatever? Or the, no, the no. You? The uh, Sal, the old barber on Long Island, used to call me Tommy. <laughs> so you know and how many story. years did he do that? Oh my God, a decade more than that. And he, he called me Tommy more than that. From when I was like four or five to when I was like in high school, I was yeah. Tom. We when I was six or seven, we eventually stopped trying to tell him that my name wasn't Tommy, yeah. but that it was Colin. Do you think he called every and, little boy Tommy? No, it's because he didn't understand. He was like off the boat, okay, Italian, yeah, and yeah. so like he didn't understand English like you know as well as you and you I know. do. So. Like, it was literally a joke of my family that, like, this guy for years was just like, hey, Tommy, how you doing? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Good. You want to go nice cut man. my hair? He was a nice man. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I, I went to a barber, um, told him what I usually do, but it was just like, you know, kind of do what you, you know, your thing. I used to shave my hair really short and stuff like that. So he, he shaved my beard and my hair all the same, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, length or whatever. Yeah. And, uh. I'm happy with it. It looks good. Thanks. I got to go to Massachusetts uh, in a couple days. So it'll be Wedding. nice. And, yeah, it'll be nice and uh, warm there. So I'll be, you know, it'll be good for that. Um, but let me tell you really quickly also about, I just took one of those poops that is so, it's so life altering in the sense that it's like when the poop comes out, you know, I was supposed to come out, you know, like, like a snake. Yeah. It's like, it's almost as if the poop is coming out sideways, like perpendicular to your asshole. You know what I mean? So it hurts and you're like, really? It doesn't necessarily hurt. You kind of like it actually a little bit. Not the perpendicular but it's kinda, ones I've had. But it's kind of like, you kind of, it's a little uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But for you know, sure. you're making some good progress. Right, right, you right. Know? You think we take a break mid push. Like, yeah. And you're like, oh, God. And you then you and then you're like, is it even ready to go? But you're yeah. like, why would it have gone this far through the colon to the anus? If it wasn't ready to go at this point, so Why would it have done that? And you know what? I know some guy out there right now driving some some some, some guys, HVAC guy driving to the next job, just shaking his head knowingly, knowing exactly what it is. No, I'm talking you're 100 percent wrong. Someone's taking one of those dumps right now, oh, listening to this, okay. just chilling out at work. They tried to take a coffee break. They're in there now, and they're like, "I know what this is." They're giggling now. They're trying not to laugh really loudly and distract all their <laughs> other coworkers who are just trying to pee or poop in the bathroom. It's like 70 percent you have to do it, 20 percent you know uh, pain, and 10 percent pleasure. <laughs> That's more, that's more pleasure than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the relief afterwards. Is always. Colin, what have you been playing? I haven't seen you in a while. Um, playing, drinking out of that water bottle. What have I been playing? That's a good question. 
Let me look at my trophies. Okay. I played Batman, the Telltale series, episode one. I'm a big fan. I'm looking forward to you playing. Are you are you waiting for them all to come out? Or are you going to play them one by one? Yeah, I am. Um, oh, that's right. That's what I'm playing. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm probably going to play them all when they come out. Okay. But this is one I really do want to play. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to even wait because it does look good. I, I saw it at E3. It looks yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like Batman. I like the Batman. I want to be the Batman. You do like the Batman. Yes, yes, yes. Um, this, and that's the thing about this game is it really is making your Batman and your Bruce, which I guess is important too. But I mean, obviously, you're always Batman. Bruce is the mask. But making those decisions and trying to see how you want. Because what I love about it is the way Gotham reacts to what you do as Bruce or uh, Batman. And then that has, you know, changes the conversations, changes the way the story is going to play out as always. Batman. Batman, as they call him, because um, Gotham City will remember that. People will remember that. Colin will remember you that. You do certain things at the end. You do certain things in this game. Maybe Alfred's happy with you. Maybe he's mad at you. You do certain things. Maybe the news is happy. With you. I'll tell you right now, I'm going to play it in such a way that Alfred's happy with me. I don't know if I want to. Well, that's in a world where Alfred's not happy. Well, so I played it at Comic Con. He's right? the one that cares about me. I played it at Comic Con. I played it as part of as a crowd play. So mm. I was up front, and then we had like 450 kids there. Mm. Troy ba- Troy Baker was there. Telltale people were there on the panel, and the audience would yell stuff out. And clearly, they're all yelling for the majority of time different things of mm. what to do. Mm. You know what I mean? The big uh, brouhaha in the beginning was what color we should make mm. Batman's like computer and his little like back computer on his wrist. Sounds important. It is very important because uh, it's tailoring the experience to you. But then at the end, like there's a few parts because what I've I've talked about before, I think at the E3 demo coming out of this is that you can see all the different Batman in there. In terms of like is it going to be dark like frank miller's is it going to be more what we think of like from the bail movies of i won't kill i won't do this i'm i'm in this for this reason that reason there's that spectrum of are you going to be a brutal batman a happy batman are you going to be scary batman what why are you telling people what you're doing and playing through it there's definitely moments where you can cross the line as batman and the audience incredibly bloodthirsty they wanted me to cross those lines each and every time and i did of course but i did it because it's not my save when I get my save, it's very much going to be the Batman I think of, who would never do something like this or that. Mm. He would only do this. He's going to do this. He wants to be well-received by the Gotham up- upstairs people. And he wants everybody to fear him down here. Mm. So it's interesting. Mm. Really good. Mm. I enjoyed myself quite a bit. Mm. Looking forward to where it goes. Mm. What else have you been playing? Or what have you uh, been playing? I played, uh, got through I Am Satsuna all the way to the end, and I ah. stopped. Oh. Um, there's a lot of endgame stuff, it seems like, and I'm waiting for a trophy guide. I literally don't have time or inclination to search like spend 30 hours doing this shit like running around looking for shit so i just need to know exactly what i want what i need to do and then i'm gonna go fight the boss and beat the game okay so I've, i'm pretty much there i could do it now but i just feel like there's a lot of stuff i want to do and i want to clean up the trophies too I, w- I wouldn't mind platinum in the game actually um i was i messed around a little bit in this pac-man i just like playing that game sure, brick breaker play playing brick sure. breaker down well on vita been playing more down well still not getting very you know very good at it we talk about that on games cast games cast uh this week um, played a little bit more of the song of the deep with Aaron uh, and then the big one that I've been messing around with is actually Shiren the Wanderer on Vita mm. um, so Shiren the Wanderer started as this Japanese series called Mystery Dungeon and came out in like 1993 um, and I don't know that uh, we I'm looking around yeah so this is what I thought so Mystery Dungeon Shiren the Wanderer came to North America at on, in 2008 on Nintendo DS, which I think was the first time it was released here. Uh-huh. And then Shire and the Wanderer came to Wii in 2010 in North America. And so Shire and the Wanderer is the Tower of Fortune and Dice of Fate is a Vita game based on a DS game that was then re-released in Japan last year okay. being published by Axis. 
Um, and it is apparently Chunsoft makes these games and it's apparently uh, the fifth game in the series. But I don't know much about it. So I, I, I've been seeing it bounce around. There was like a blog post about it, a PlayStation blog post some time ago. So I saw that it was coming out. Some people were playing it. So I went out, I reached out to Axis and asked for a code and they gave me one. And what do you think? So um, it is a extremely it, it, it reminds me a little bit like and I know that there's games that are better analogs than it. But it reminds me a lot of Azure Dreams, which is a PS1 game by Konami that I really like mm-hmm. where in that you go into this tower and you're trying to get higher and higher and higher up the tower and then you eventually retreat. Now in that game you're like capturing monsters and doing all sorts of shit. You don't do that in this game. Um, but the idea is the same as that. Like it's an RPG. You're going into the tower. You're using your your level seems to be reset every time you go in. But you're like left with the gear and the items that you found previously and you're kind of trying to get higher and higher into these various towers to find items. And then so that's basically it. I've only played it for a few hours. Um, okay. It's OK. I, I mean, I, I don't know that I have much more to say about it right now but uh since i'll be traveling i'm going to probably be dedicating some more time to it but um it's interesting um it's there if you if you want to support access or whatever but i don't think it's uh i don't think it's uh you know anything to necessarily write home about right now certainly not um the strongest game on vita i'll tell you that gotcha speaking of vita games i just got gal gun double piece I saw that really they took a long time to install on the vita which is weird who published out gal card and I uh, no no it's um I've, idea factory no 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 it's it's a uh, not PDP PDQ PD whatever P, uh, somebody or other no idea who that is yeah me neither but here I they wanna, are I want to look making games PDGE Pidge is it Pidge is it Pidge Miller Pidge Miller is it double piece Galgan double piece no yeah that's it that's what it is yep oh uh, publisher P cube yeah there you go. Never heard of them in my life. Gotta no. be totally honest with you. Never no. heard of them in no. my entire life. And I and I know these obscure. But they Japanese brought it things. over. They put out the And he creates makes it. Yeah. We got the Mr. Happiness edition. Came with those panties. You want to rub your glasses on them? I'd really rather not. Because you got the here, you can throw this away now. No, no, don't! I oh, gave it to you and I can take it away from you if I want to. I can't. I can't. I don't want well, you. I'm to. just gonna get them for me then. I'll wear them. I'll use them. I won't wear them. Yeah. I'm sure you will. All right. The perfect, the perfect gift for a Vita gamer. This guy, little, yeah, little lens cleaners. You do whatever. You At want. least they're embracing what Galgan is and what this niche of gamers in the West want, right? Yeah. So, oh man, let's begin the show. Oh no, I didn't. I, we didn't. If you didn't know, this is PS. I love you, XOXO. It is kindoffunny.com's PlayStation podcast. It is the number one PlayStation podcast on the internet, and it posts every Tuesday at nine a.m. Pacific time on kindoffunny.com and podcast services around the globe please go to youtube.com slash kind of funny games subscribe to the channel support everything there go over to the other youtube channel subscribe listen to the other shows like it share it give to your friends colin mm. let's begin the show with what is and forever will be roper's report time for some singular possessive news slow week only seven items on the list a baker's dozen uh san diego comic-con obviously dominating uh, the share of nerdum rightfully so so not much to say this week number one MPD results are in, giving us a nice snapshot about how games and consoles sold for the month of June 2016 in the United States. Not surprisingly, PlayStation 4 reigns supreme as the most purchased console. Where things get a little more complicated is in the sales charts for software. MPD now counts digital sales in a limited fashion, depending on if the publisher in question partakes in providing those numbers or not. The top 10 best-selling games were in order. Overwatch, Grand Theft Auto V, Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens, Doom, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, Uncharted 4 A Thief's End, NBA 2K16, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, Destiny, The Taken King, and Minecraft. Overwatch's numbers don't include Battle.net sales. Doom, Uncharted 4, and Minecraft don't count digital sales at all, as Bethesda, Sony, and Microsoft respectively don't provide MPD digital data as of yet. 
All other games listed do count digital sales. So with that information in mind, Uncharted 4, Minecraft, and Doom would all be charting probably higher than that. Sure. And and obviously, uh, Overwatch would be unaffected at number one. But how about that staying power of GTA 5? Does GTA 5 staying power significant? NBA 2K16 is also significant. Someone pointed this out, too, that I believe NBA 2K16 was free on PlayStation Plus. Huh. So, uh, that game just like is incre- like an incredible cash cow for, take- right, for, right. for 2K, rather. So, um, what happens when you make the best of the game? Yeah. So those are the sales charts. PS4 number one, Overwatch number one, Uncharted 4 still hanging on, along with some good ones like Doom. Was expi- actually super surprised to see Mirror's Edge on there. Yeah, but I mean... I heard like, literally no one talk about that game. Now, I don't think one person, not one person tweeted me at that game. Oh, looks like that. Nick mm-hmm. Scarpino said he was disappointed in it. That counts as somebody talking about it. No, I but don't you figure it's Nick just like, it's one of those things of, all right, I think it's just a slow period. Everybody keeps talking about that summer drought we're in. People come, they picked a good time to release Mirror's Edge, but it wasn't that great. Number two, not all is rosy, however, as console sales are now are down precipitously year over year. PS4, Xbox One and Wii U hardware revenue is down a combined 42% from June 2015, indicating that things could be softening in an otherwise healthy console market. Hardware itself is down 32% when not counting money earned and made. So in other words, 32% down on hardware sold specifically units. Nonetheless, PS4 and Xbox One combined are still ahead of PS3 and Xbox 360 sales at their respective point in their lifetimes by 40%. Gotcha. But that number's falling. That number used to be like 60 and then 55 and 50 and so on. So it's falling. To be expected though, right? How, what, how many, how, what, how can you, once a market becomes saturated, it starts to drop off. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can keep buying until, sure. of course, they release the smaller ones. Right. Your Neos. Cheaper Xbox. Well, Xbox One right now is 250 to make way for the S, yeah. which will come out soon. And then uh, you assume Neo is coming out later this year and then next year we'll have the Scorpio. So that, Scorpio. Might, bo- that might boost or stymie sales depending on how you look at it. Sure. Number three. Sega has announced two new Sonic games, both slated to come to PlayStation 4 and elsewhere in 2017. The first game due out in spring of 2017 is called Sonic Mania. Sonic Mania, under development by Sega of America, Pagoda West Games, and some of the devs behind Sonic's mobile ports, seems to aim squarely at the most important and nostalgic of Sonic games, those from the Genesis era. Sonic Team's leader, Takashi Iizuka, said, quote, Sonic Mania was born out of our fans' love of the classic Sonic 2D platform games. This type of collaboration is a first for Sega, and we hope everyone will be both surprised and delighted by this title. Sonic Mania has been a passion project for the entire team, and we look forward to sharing more details about it later this year. Having the game actually playable at the event itself tonight was testament to the dedication of the team behind it, end quote. The second game, still untitled, is due out at the end of, 27, at the end of 2017 and is being worked on by Sonic Team itself. Its reliance on, quote, classic and modern versions, end quote, of Sonic, according to GameSpot, indicates it could be like Sonic Generations, which launched in 2011. We should learn more about both soon. I went to Comic-Con, Colin. Thank you all for your support. And I played Sonic Mania at that very event. And it sure is the more Sonic for like from the Genesis. I played Green Hill Zone. Man, there the Oh, that's of course, that's where the invincibility's hidden. This seems like it's going on a little bit longer. Okay, different boss battle. And I put the controller down. I'll wait I, I will wait to see, but it just felt like more Sonic. And it didn't even feel like that different of Sonic. It felt like a director's cut of Green Hill Zone, which maybe is what they're going for. But I've played I've played Green Hill Zone quite a bit. I'm just gonna reserve my. You know exactly what I want to say, so I'm just not. You even don't like say Sonic, it. I know. Sonic was never for good, Sonic's so. 25th anniversary. They should have just killed it. Whoa! Or like they did put him in Lego Dimensions because I'm sure it's gonna be great there. Number four, Gravity Rush Two finally has a release date. <clears throat> Sony has revealed that the upcoming PlayStation 4 exclusive, the sequel to the popular Vita Turn PS4 game, will launch on December 2nd. Pre-ordering the game from specific retailers can net you exclusive DLC, a soundtrack, avatars, and more depending on when and where you pre-order. 
an anime called Gravity Rush Overture will bridge the story gap between the two games as well. And more information will be available on that soon. You're stoked for that anime, aren't you? Couldn't give a fuck less. Are you going to play this game, though? No. Uh, but I'm stoked for it. I'm going to play it. No, I just I just don't care. You know, I just oh. didn't I just didn't care about Gravity Rush. Like I, sure. I just it just was not See, for me. My concern is that I did care about Gravity Rush. I liked Gravity Rush. I reviewed Gravity Rush. I talked about what a great first step it was for Cat as a superheroine. And I don't know if this is making the the leap forward. Playing it, I was I, at E3. I was like, ooh, I I didn't realize I missed Gravity Rush. I should play Gravity Rush one. I was like, you know what? This feels too similar to Gravity Rush mm. one. Sure, I can be lighter or heavier. There's these new attacks or whatever, but it's just like. It's still mm. very much Gravity Rush, mm. and so I don't need, I don't know if it's going to push it forward beyond mm. that. I think mm. seven five I gave it at IGN back in the yeah, day. Yeah, you did. Yeah, people were mad about that. Yeah. I just I played Gravity Rush for five hours or so on Vita. Just wasn't I just was like I don't know. I just don't I don't care yeah. about this world. I don't care about this character. I don't yeah. care about this gameplay. Just wasn't for me. There was a lot of co- competition on Vita at the time, of course, for other games to be played. Better Number days. five. Classic all important. Uh, I'm sorry. Classic all important first person action RPG System Shock has been confirmed for release on PlayStation 4 and is due out around the first quarter of 2018. Damn. System Shock, which originally launched in 1994, is being rebuilt and re-released as part of a successful Kickstarter campaign. The game is consequential because Irrational Games made the sequel System Shock 2, which catapulted Ken Levine and his company into the spotlight, culminating with Bioshock in 2007. Not to mention that the original game was directed by Doug Church, who worked on Ultima and created the Thief franchise, and produced by Warren Spector of Wing Commander Ultima and Deus Ex fame. So a lot of names. An epic Mickey. And Epic Mickey, of course, is uh, Warren Spector's uh, over. Yeah, his, uh, his coup de gras. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I never messed around much with System Shock. Me neither. Game significant. Uh, people are really excited about it. Coming to PS4 is a big deal. Announced uh, well ahead of when it's coming out. Way early. Uh, which is fine. I mean, the kick- they had to announce it early for Kickstarter. It sounds like Sony got in bed with them to get this game over to PS4. Mm-hmm. Not sure about its status on other platforms, Xbox One specifically. I'm sure it is coming to PC. Um, but uh, it's exciting that it's coming. Um, and again, a game of note, like Ken Levine was like, I think the lead designer on the sequel, um, irrational worked on that game, not this one, but the, the sequel. So there's just a lot of like lineage with this game that makes it important to the DNA of gaming. And so I think it's pretty significant that it's coming to PlayStation four. Indeed. Number five, Ubisoft is looking for your help with its next Assassin's Creed game, specifically with how it's in-game economies work. Ubisoft community manager Grace Orlity went to Reddit to solicit feedback on the in-game economies of Black Flag, Rogue, Unity, and Syndicate, huh. inquiring what worked and what didn't work in the minds of players. Quote, we know that the economy is a really important part of the gameplay experience and having a satisfying economy makes doing missions, resource grinds, upgrades, etc. all the more exciting when done in a balanced way, end quote. To provide feedback, head to Assassin's Creed Reddit, seek out the post and feedback away. Feed it up. Um, so it seems like uh, they're being a little more thoughtful this time around with Assassin's Creed, which is much needed. Uh, what I think is interesting about this, as I said on Colin and Greg Live last week, is that one of the games they're citing is Rogue, which is not a game that... So for people that don't know, Rogue was the PS3 and Xbox 360 game that came out in 2014, I think, went, alongside Unity. It got um, overshadowed. It's yeah. Like, here's your first true next-gen Assassin's Creed. Right. And then here's Rogue. I think Black Flag was cross-generation, right? Right. And then Unity was the first next-gen yep. one. Rogue was the last-gen one, which... People liked more than they liked yeah. Unity. And so they're, they're citing that in addition to Syndicate and the other. So... Um, yeah, if you're an Assassin's Creed fan, and I know a lot of you are out there, you can actually provide some material feedback to them to make their next game. Go do it. Which apparently is going to be set in Egypt. Walk like in Egypt. That's the rumor anyway. I mean, that's all, you know. Conjecture. I'm sure Kotaku will have it in three months. Number six, Lego Dimensions is getting a new wave of toys that will work with the popular game. This wave, known as Wave 7, contains six expansion packs and all will be released on November 18th. Sonic the Hedgehog, Fantastic Beasts, Gremlins, E.T., and Adventure Time are the stars of hey. this wave. Yeah, Colin. 
Excited? Get ready. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, E.T. and Gremlins, I mean, are the only ones in there that I really like. That Fantastic Beast will be fun. Not for you, because you hate Harry it's Potter. Such a terrible. I don't hate Harry Potter. You I just hate that's such magic? a terrible name. You hate magic and you hate Fantastic Harry Potter. Fantastic Beasts? And where Sounds like them. a 1993 like uh, syndicated cartoon with shitty toys. Sure. Just a bad name. I mean, it's what she called the book. Is what it is. I mean, I, I understand that. It's just still a bad name, though. Mm. They couldn't come up with anything better. What do you want? Than Fantastic Beasts. Harry Potter and his toy toys? I don't know. I just wish they just left Harry Potter alone. Why do we have to keep going back to that well? He oh, was fine. Moneymaker. I know. I mean, this is the prequel, 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 right? So I have no idea. Yeah. Number seven. Wrap up. Pac-Man Championship Edition 2 is coming to PlayStation 4 this September. Wow. Laser Disco Defenders, originally slated to come out this week on PS Vita, has been pushed back to an unknown date. Dragon Quest Builders on both PS4 and Vita finally has an exact release date, October 11th. Action strategy game Inversus comes to PS4 on August 16th. Injustice 2 has two new confirmed fighters announced at San Diego Comic-Con, Wonder Woman and Blue Beetle. Yeah, Blue Beetle. Frenetic defense game Cannon Brawl is coming to PS4 on August 2nd. Summon Night 6 Lost Borders is coming to PS4 and Vita in February of 2017. And finally, PS2 JRPG Grandia 3 has been rated by, for PS4 by the ESRB, indicating that it should be released on that console soon. Is that the one where you're the little kid and your mom, you're a pilot or whatever and your mom's your mom? I played one Grandia on PS2. I think that was it. Grandia I don't 3. know. I never played Grandia either. Yeah. It was pretty good. I don't think. Maybe I did. Let me look at the box art. Let's see. Yeah, I can so tell you long ago, dude. Yeah, it's hard to believe it was. No, I don't think you played this one. Click it open for me. Mm. No, yeah, I remember this. That's the PAL cover, though. Yeah. This looks like the American cover. Yeah. Control F pilot. Because I'll see if this is prickly pilot Pete. Yep. Okay. Set in a fantasy world where technology has allowed man to fly in magic-powered aircraft, a boy named Yuki is determined to become a great pilot like his idol, the Sky Captain Schmidt. Yep. Now do you remember this game? Sky Captain Schmidt. Grandia 3, it's back. Get on it. Not very good scores. Metacritic 77. Actually, it's not bad. One up. Gave it a B plus. That's probably why I bought it. All right. Uh, that is it for the, sh- the brief Roper's report this week. Colin. Yes. You know, I'm interested in this Dragon Quest Builders. Minecraft with Dragon Quest. All right, let's see what it's all about. But it's so far out. If I wanted to know what came to mom and grop in digital shops, where would I go? You go to the upcoming list of PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, PlayStation Vita, and sometimes PSP software by the kind of funny co-founder. Yeah. AW Phoenix Festa comes to Vita digitally. What the hell is that? Experience the events of the Asterisk War. In this action RPG, play the events of the Asterisk War series. Live the life of hero Ayoto Amagiri and experience Rika Academy and the Phoenix Festa storyline. Players will go through simulated high school experiences while fighting in over-the-top tournaments. All right. Sign me up. Tells you fucking nothing about that I game. I love over-the-top fighting tournaments. Among the Sleep teenagers. comes to PS4 Digital. I could have sworn this game was out already. Really? Yeah. That can't be right. Yeah, it's been... We've had it forever. I played it last year. Yeah, I feel like... I don't know what that is. Is that an accident? I'm not going to read it. Arcade Archives MX5000 comes to PS4 Digital. MX5000 is a shooter released by Konami in 1987. Fly the latest fighter aircraft of the Rufanis territory and fight with the Dasalis Empire to stop it from dominating the world. Okay. Blue Rider comes to PS4 Digital. Blue Rider is an action-packed game of the shoot-em-up genre, inspired by old classic arcades with awesome arts, sticky music, and fresh gameplay. Sticky music. I like how it's awesome arts. Chambara comes to PS4 Digital. 
Shambara's color-based stealth mechanic lets you blend completely into parts of the environment. Oh. Hide in plain sight. Leap, sneak, and dash with both speed and style. Strike hard and then fade away before your position is revealed. I remember them trying to get on uh, the GDC live show. Some indie devs making that one. Good for them. You said no. Coming out. You I think said we were no, too busy. sir. They were too late. Dungeon Punks comes to PS4 Digital. So Dungeon Punks is a fast-paced action RPG with a unique tag team fighting system and local player versus player brawl mode. Adventure awaits when you're going solo, playing with friends, or beating each other to a pulp in one of many battle arenas. Many battle arenas. Fairy Fencer F Advent Dark Force comes to PS4 Digital and Retail. It says, long ago, a war raged between two powerful deities. Each was sealed away, and now fighters... Hmm? Data days? Data days, right. Each was sealed away, and now fighters seek their hidden weapons. By chance, Fang is unwillingly embroiled in the battle and now must choose which deity to awake in this RPG. Poor Fang. He didn't want to be part of this fight, but here he is. He's got to do something. Headlander comes to PS4 hey. Digital hearing very good things about this game. Yeah, we played it. There's a Let's Play Up on YouTube.com. Got good games. scores. The embargo is up today. We linked to it yesterday, or on last, I guess last week's show. You are the last known human in the universe, and all that's left of you is, the disem- is a disembodied head. Seeking clues to your fractured past, you must travel through a hostile world of machines using a special helmet. That allows you to dock into and take control of any robotic host body. Why not? Sounds fun. It was fun. We played it. Hyper Light Drifter comes to PS4 Digital. Echoes of a dark and violent past resonate throughout a savage land steeped in treasure and blood. Hyper Light Drifter is an action-adventure RPG in the vein of the best 16-bit classics with modernized mechanics and design on a much grander scale. Thoughts on that? Some people I'm excited are, about it. Super I, people are stoked for it. It's been, in, it's been coming forever, though. I thought it was coming to Vita, but I guess A not. lot of things were coming to Vita. Then the Ice Age. Mutant Mud Super Challenge. I'm stoked about this game. Comes to PS4 and Vita Digital Cross Buy. Here comes the challenge. Mutant Mud Super Challenge. Over 40 levels filled with malicious mutant muds. This adventure is designed for super players. Featuring a host of new platforming challenges and unique boss fights that will test your skills. Can't wait. Con, you're a super player. I am a super player. Um, I'm, I love the uh, Mutant Muds game on Vita. They came out a couple years ago. I've been, in, I've been in touch with them. Hopefully we'll get a code soon. Riptide GP Renegade comes to PS4 Digital. Experience the future of illicit hydrojet racing. Where armored riders kick out death-defying stunts over massive waterfalls, dodge cops through public waterways, and boost at breakneck speeds across surging waves. And finally, Shire and the Wanderer, the Tower of Fortune, and the Dice of Fate comes to Vita Digital and Retail. And you're not a fan. I'm not not a fan. It's I, just right in the middle there. Right. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't have. It's. I, I don't it's know. It's something to do. Shire and the Wanderer, the Tower of Fortune, and the Dice of Fate is the latest installment in the storied franchise. Legend has it that Riva, god of destiny, holds sway over the past, present, and future. Said to dwell in the mysterious Tower of Fortune, Riva decides the fates of all mankind with a trio of magic dice. Leads Shiren the Wanderer and his sidekick Kappa, who's a ferret, in their quest to conquer the Tower of Fortune. And I threw that in there. He is so a, he ferret. Is a ferret part. He is indeed a ferret. Thank you for expanding on Kappa's character. I thought it was going to be a pizza mm-hmm. topping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, that, not, not a cured meat. You can get that hot Kappa. It's real good. Yeah, yeah. Kappa with a K. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. Uh, that's it for this week's games. Then, Colin, it's time for topic of the show. Wait a minute. You didn't do pick of the week. Are we doing that permanently? I thought, I thought we you, that oh, you just wanted to do it a one. one Remember last a week? Last week's was like the throwback episode. People were asking right, for like, right. okay, do the move uh, on, guarantee, then. doubt move it, on. pick of the week, blah, 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 blah. Move on. Pick of the week's Headlander, I assume. I would say Mutant Muds. Oh, okay. Super challenge. I'm going to say Headlander. It's the only game I, I've seen and played that I liked. Talk of the show. Toss, 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 toss. This one is a long one, so lay back on, take some water, smoke a cigarette if you got time. It comes from Cootie Baruti. Greetings, Greg and Colin. Long time listener since GameScoop and beyond, first time writer. As much as I love both of you guys, I now feel like I finally have to try and contact you about your thoughts on digital games. I know you're both only half joking about throwing non-digital believers into jail, but 
I've also heard your opinions over the past four to five years on the subject, and after hearing your latest remarks on PSI Love You XOXO, I now feel I have to make sure you both understand why a digital-only future makes many gamers so anxious. I don't know if you went and checked out the threads, Colin Moriarty. So many people. Where? Oh, the threads on, where? On our, on our forums. Oh, on the forums. Okay. So many people. Specific. On, we have a lot of kind of funny.com slash forums. So many people upset at us saying we love the, the digital only is the future. Get out of here. We'll throw you in jail on Vita Island. So many people don't want to go to Vita, Vita Island jail. They're afraid of Lola. They don't want it. Back to Cootie Baruti. You see, for want of a better phrase, it's not a problem for you guys in the US. It's okay for you. On day one, you can either pay $60 for a retail copy or the same $60 for a digital copy. But it's simply not the case for pretty much the rest of the world. Even though digital games are clearly cheaper to publish, here in the UK, new digital games cost as much as 50% more than they do on Amazon. And the only time a digital game looks appealing is with the occasional sales when they're months old. It's even worse on main, in mainland Europe and even worse again in Australia. Those guys have to pay ridiculous prices for their retail games and even higher still for digital. If your PlayStation store gave you guys pricing like that, would you really believe or would you really believe or would you really feel any different than we do? So that's why so many of us are against the digital in the future. If we have a price parity, if we have price parity like you lucky folks in the US, then it would be great. We'd be fine. We'd be hyped for the format as you are. I'm sorry for the long post. It's just that every single digital subject I've seen in your work, the matter of scandalous pricing for everywhere else other than the USA has never been brought up. Not that I've seen at least. I hope this makes it to the show edited sufficiently. Greg, if not, as long as you can, you and Colin can bear this in mind when you mention digital subjects, that will make a happier viewer for most international fans. Keep up the awesome work. I honestly greatly admire both of you. Thanks, Colin, for adding me on PSN. Beyond Dale from Maryside, England. Now, here's what I'm going to take issue to first, Dale. I can't be held responsible that America is the best country on the face of the planet and has all the freedom in the world. And you don't want, you should just want to come here all the time. You got to get in before Trump seals the borders. But beyond all that, a lot of you reached out saying, Hey, I'm in the middle of the country and my internet sucks. And that's why I hate the digital future and this, that, and the other. And everybody's so mad about the digital future. The thing Colin, we keep talking about is very specific. The digital future. I'm not saying right now, I'm not saying this is the perfect solution to everything that's going on in our world right now. Yeah. I'm talking about down the line when hopefully we're not even worried about Ethernet and landlines and the Internet we're getting beamed to us through Wi-Fi is so much better than everything else we have to worry about. That's the big thing. When the Internet's completely democratized and you're getting broadband speeds everywhere in the world or at least everywhere in the civilized world that's buying video games and having to worry about it, then it's a different ball game. I think being I don't take it for granted that we're in San Francisco that we're in this you know Silicon Valley that we we have access to amazing internet all the time and even when it clonks out on us during Colin or Greg live it's still better than a lot of people I get all that but I still have this struggle of where why well, I don't understand why people are so hesitant to it right now when we talk about the future not, I mean clearly we're not really going to try to throw you in jail we don't have that kind of power well, you might I might you don't have that kind of power either you're citizen arresting people out there <laughs> buying their retail games Bring them before the court of law and explain the case. And they'll exactly. understand very the kangaroo quickly. courts. Yeah. The Vita Island. Am I wrong, Colin? No. I mean, I, I first of all, I, that's the first. I was just looking, uh, trying to compare prices on Amazon to PSN UK um, or GB, really, um, to see the prices. And that seemed like there was a price discrepancy. I never heard that. Um, so the pricing uh, discrepancy is here, too, except for it doesn't typically happen with new games. What ends up happening is that like a game like, I don't know, Far Cry Primal will probably be $60 on PSN, but you can probably find it in retail stores for cheaper. That's the market competing. That's the point I'm trying to make is that 
Um, yeah, regardless of your internet, and I take issue with him saying the United States is the only place with great internet. Western Europe has largely much better internet infrastructure than the United States. Japan has insane internet infrastructure. There are places in Asia, there are places in Europe, there are places in South America that have great internet. So you're you're not that's not true. Um, and I really find it hard to believe that people in Sydney and Melbourne and Australia don't have internet really just as good as we have in the United States. Um, that yeah, said, I've talked to Pandemus before. That said, oh, I'm sure you can get your speeds. I'm sure it might be more expensive. You have b- bandwidth issues and all that kind of stuff in terms of data limits and stuff, but these are these are problems that will be solved in the future and, and what the point i'm trying to make is that coastal united states doesn't have the best internet in the world it's just not true um now i do take issue with the fact that like there is a hesitance that yeah like you said when all things are equal that the digital future is going to benefit all of us um if people think that they're going to turn on their ps4 in 10 years and it's actually going to work uh i would i would be shocked if that were the case for many people so you're hoarding these games. Everyone's always like, well, what if they erase your PSN name or you like you're and I'm like, dude, you have a better chance of that of of like literally that happening to you. Let me back up. You have a better chance of your PS4 not working, I should say, than that of that happening to you. In other words, PS5, PS6, whatever these new consoles are going to be, you're probably going to be backwards compatible fully with PS4. And you have to assume that they'll eventually work PS3 and all these other shits. And I was going to say that's what we said about PS4. We hope that it would be. Backwards but they could they could PS3. have done that, but they didn't because they didn't. They the PlayStation now there's a lot of competing market reasons why they didn't do that. I thought it was that they I, couldn't. I think, I think there is... What did you say? They was, remember, they said they couldn't. That's bullshit. I'm they just saying emulate, what they said. They could though. emulate the PS3 on PS4. I don't believe that for one second, to be honest with you. Um, remember that Microsoft said the same thing about Xbox One and then that magically made that happen. Yeah. Uh, so, could the PS4 play PS3 games with the right system? Like, if you like laid an emulator over it or something like that? I, I'm pretty sure it probably could. Um, but that said... Uh, I think there's a literally 0% chance that the PS5 isn't backwards compatible with the PS4 digitally, whether or not it is with discs or whatever. So people are like hoarding these discs and hoarding this, 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 these catalogs of games. And they're like, well, then I can play my PS4 games in 15 years. And I'm like, I don't think so because you have fucking hardware problems in, in 15 years. What happens when your PS4 breaks? What happens like when you, you, you can't put your discs in the new console because there is not a disc drive in them. Like, the, that argument goes both ways. Sure. And so but I, I mean, think, and so look, I think around, look around now and people are still playing things on original Xboxes. They are still playing games on PS2s. Yeah, they sure are. And I think that, I mean, people are still playing things on Atari 2600 and things. Like I'm just saying, like, if you're one of these, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here. If you're one of the people who do want to have all your digitals and you're saying you're going to be playing PS4 in 15 years, maybe you will be. Maybe. Just for the people who are playing games 15 years ago on those consoles and want the small percentile that wants to hang on to everything you keep playing still are. Yeah, but though, most of those consoles are probably broken. Right. Sure. It's, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be expensive. You're going to have to try to find ones that work. So I just think that it's somewhat of a nonsensical argument. Like it makes more sense with games with no moving parts. So like or systems with no moving parts NES. like NES or SNES cartridge based games. Yeah. Um, you have I was reading about this recently. And I think I'm getting the word wrong, but it's something like optical decay or, or laser decay or something like where like these ga- these things just don't work after a while, even if the even if the, the units in pristine condition um, or they tend not to work more than they do work. Um, as time passes because these things are atrophying in some way. So um, I just think that that particular argument, not that he's necessarily making it, but the particular argument that some people make, which is like, I buy the digital game or the physical games and I know I'll be able to play them in 10 years. I'm like, I don't think you're going to be able to play them in 10 years. So Mm. like, I just, you're like really going to take out your PS4, which is probably not going to work and or not work right or has a chance of not working. And you're going to plug it in and play, uh, you know, the order 1886. Like, is that really like, like what we're all going to be about in 10 years? It just to me like so I understand the argument I understand his argument I understand these other arguments but I still think that like the digital future is inevitable it's going to make games cheaper it is going to democratize access to games and yes it is intent and is in, it is contingent on internet working properly 
But once the lion's share of the world where the money is really being made for these companies has internet that is working, they're going to pull the trigger on this. Yeah. And and um, so that means like North America, Europe, and emerging countries and Australia and all these kind of, kind of places, Japan. So this is something that I think people should be more eager for because Sony's not going to just say like, oh, your PS4 games are gone now. They're, they're going to do that to their customers and ruin their entire business. Like, I, I'm sorry, that's just not going to happen. So um, and if it does, that would be shocking. That would be the end of the PlayStation brand. If they were like, you have 100 PSN games on PS4, but you're not going to be able to play them on PS5. Like, they're not going to do that again. Like, I just can't imagine that they're going to do that again. So is the argument salient? Is it sound? I don't know. But like, I, I to me, I, I think it's it's a somewhat obvious solution to cost problems, even though games are very cheap right now. It, it would make them cheaper. And, and I think that it causes a lot of competition, especially at the AAA space. And I'm telling you, it would be a really exciting time for people to see these, these publishers really have to compete with each other on price points. Sure. And uh, so I, I don't see what people's reluctance is in, 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 like you said, in the future looking way. That's the pro- of- I mean, their reluctance is they're they're locked into the present. They only know the present. And if for, you know, for Dale from Maryside, England, he only knows the unfair scales he has to deal with every day, I guess, over there in terms of how he buys his games. I think that's the, the thing that I think it'll become steam where it's not like that, where it is. There's the varying spectrum here of pricing and you can get it here. You can get this. There'll be sales. There'll be this. And that's the whole thing. Like no one's buying PC games physically. No one. Why are why isn't anyone that play PC play PC games which are way 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 more than play console games? Why aren't they complaining? Like th- th- that's what I'm saying. This argument is so antiquated. You know, like yeah. it's it's just an antiquated argument. Steam revolutionized the way people access games around the world, not just in the United States, not just in Western Europe. And I don't understand this argument of being like, well, but I can't download games. And I'm like, but but the PC gamers have been doing this for like a long time. Do now. Do you think? That and they live like right next door to you. Do you think that this is one of the reasons why console game? I think if you were to talk to the majority of mainstream America about what do you think the most popular platforms to play are on are right that they would put consoles ahead of PC that that PC to them doesn't even exist anymore. And do you think that's part of the problem in terms of Sony and Microsoft strategies that they have to be on store shelves to be seen. They have to do this. Sure. They don't want to fade away and become what steam is. Sure. Which is a niche possibly, but I don't think, I mean, I think, I think PSN and Xbox, I would murder to be a niche like steam. Sure. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, and make the money that they make and have the, the player base that they have, like the an dedication. all digital an all digital pe- player base that spends an asinine amount of money on games. I mean, yeah. that's what you basically get anecdotally from steam. It's the same thing with, it's the same argument with phones. It's like, it would be like arguing like, I can only download my apps digitally on my phone. It's like, yeah, of course you can. You know, like, why do we make exceptions only for this device? It doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry. Like, no, it just I'm, doesn't make I'm any with sense. you, but I mean, it's, it's similar to what we've talked about with uh, our own business strategy, right? That like, if we were to have put, let's say if, if tomorrow we flipped a switch and made PS I love you, you have to pay for it or whatever. Mm. People would freak out because it's not always been that way. Right. Whereas apps have always been that way. And where PC gaming did for a while look like it was on its way out until Steam really revolutionized the way people do that and get in and play their games that way to the point now that it's. I think even if you go to somebody's house and you see that they have a console, it doesn't say that they're a console gamer. They could easily have the PC rig that really is what they play on. This is for their exclusives. I respect that people want physical games, whether they're a collector, they like looking at things on their shelves. I used to be the same way. Yeah, where else do you get these panties? I respect that people have this reluctance because of internet issues. I I appreciate all that. It doesn't matter. The inexorable march towards this future is happening. It's going to happen. Yeah. And... um, I am telling you, it's going to be a market shift of of gargantuan proportions 
when these big publishers announce that these games are not coming out to physical stores anymore in five or ten years or whatever it happens, and then they really start having to compete with each other on price. This only benefits the gamer, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I've said it before, like when Ubisoft comes out one day and is like, "Our games are now fifty bucks." Is EA and Bethesda and all these guys gonna be like, "No, we're just gonna keep our games at sixty. Maybe we'll even raise the prices." Like that, that's just that's just not the way the market works. But right now, because they have to appease these retail lords. You know, yeah. and then you have and then you have the pricing discrepancy in the reverse of what he was talking about, where um, these games on PSN remain sixty dollars and the retail games are cheaper because they do have to undercut to stay competitive. But um, you are seeing an increase in digital sales for even big, you know, triple A games. And it's only going to continue that way. No one eventually, you know, people are going to get tired of like ordering these games online or going into the store to get them when you can literally just download them. Like I, I just. So, yeah, there are semantics. There are semantic reasons, but I, I would argue that these reasons do not affect um, a massive base of PlayStation gamers. I don't. I think that you're going to find plenty of PlayStation gamers that have great Internet that want digital games, that download digital games and support digital games. And this is only going to help the ecosystem make things cheaper, make things more affordable, make things more accessible, get more people to make more games on the cheap or uh, are more acceptable in making in selling a game for $10 and making a smaller rip on those games or whatever. There's a bunch of different benefits. We can get into that later. But um, so I hear him and I respect him. We won't throw him in prison this time. But um, I do want to say that I think that like it is an oversimplification to say like, well, there's internet issues and all these kinds of things. Like those won't exist the forever. Present, the digital present. And I will say that those future. internet issues don't seem to be affecting your PC brethren too much that play uh, way more than you know there are 42 million maybe ps4s in the wild many many more gaming pcs than that mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. it doesn't seem to be affecting them your neighbor next door that's playing his games on pcs the guy down the street he's getting that has too. literally no choice except yeah. batman batman's broken what did you say nothing oh batman broken yeah, yeah. Arkham Knight. so you the know PC what i'm saying like dumb. like that um, and then and you're using your phone right I, it's like, also, I, I just, I I just all, don't I just don't I don't get it. I don't well, get no, it. No, it's just everybody have you know it's we've talked about it a million times. It's change, right? And how slow people are to accept change and wh- how this goes. I mean, it's the same way of like our, you know, your older relatives who still get Netflix discs. It's you, once you make the switch, once you realize that this is a way that isn't scamming you, he isn't getting less from you. And like right now, to Dale's point, it's kind of scamming him in terms of like how it works for him and his country. It's not doing that for us. So we are the tip of the sword. We are the ones who are here preaching when there's other people out there and the unwashed masses right and let's and let's be clear that like yeah his his example is a is a salient one to me yeah about why it doesn't work right now but all things being equal there's no argument for physical. sure and there's i think none. you'll see he's going to see those scales balance where he is as well um so, so all things England. aren't equal right now for him but when all things are equal I, I will be interested to hear back from him in the years to come about whether or not he thinks that the scales have tipped because i just undeniably from a convenience factor from a cost factor and all those kinds of things. What, what What's the worst thing you have to do? You have to delete a game off your hard drive? Yeah. Like, I, it's like, okay. Is that really a big deal? By the way, speaking of, of but I respect that people, a lot of people are, think we're wrong about this and that's fine. Um, I will say that I had a weird problem at PS4 this weekend where I went through and I deleted a bunch of old saves. I had like so many, like pretty much every save I'd ever had yeah. um, from going back to launch. There were like super mother load saves and shit. I'm like, <laughs> I don't need these anymore. And, You're um, not getting back to super mother load anytime soon? Got it. That game was fine actually. But, uh, the um the interesting thing there was that my and uh, my system eventually I restarted my system and it was like you have no more memory and you need to free up like room and I'm like what the fuck are you talking about I, I should have like four, literally 400 gigabytes yeah and I go in to the uh to the accessory that lets you like look at like how your shit storage being used. management yeah and it basically is like the amount of storage taken up on the console is the amount of storage you have 
like 115 gigabytes or whatever. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So I like went, I deleted like Uncharted 4 and all these other things. And then it like started from that baseline going down and letting me play my other games again. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? So then I was like looking up things and I tweeted about it. Some people are having the same problem. So if you have this problem, it is a problem that exists. And curiously, everyone had these different solutions. Some people like, you had a format. Some people were like, oh, I did this and it fixed it. Mine just fixed itself. I turned on my system two days later and it was just fixed. Oh, hey, I'm here. Cool. And I was like, what? Like I, space. Weird bug. So if you see that, it's just an FYI that it does exist. So it wasn't that you really were out of space, that your saves no. are taking on this much space. There's no way I could, have, I've been, I could have used all that space. Up. No, I've no. gotten it to where it's like, I can't download another game until you delete some stuff. Oh, no, I delete shit yeah. constantly. I don't need yeah. all these games on my oh, I know. I, I, I mean, I'm, I try to be good about it. Sometimes I get lazy. Plus, I got the automatic download turned on. Everything, every code I'm redeeming is just popping it in there. Oh, yeah, me too. But I but I don't download those games. I, yeah. I put them on, P, on Vita, actually, and then, then it doesn't happen. Well, so yeah, I mean, if, the, if I have a choice to put it on Vita or PS4, I'm putting on Vita, of course. No, I mean, I put my codes in Vita for ah, PS4. Ah, see, I usually use the web portal and then go over there and just delete, put, download them. So, Because my my fear is I put so many games in, I don't know what I have anymore. So I want to make sure I see stuff, jump in, play it, kick it out if I don't like it. Colin, it's time for trophies. In a segment we call Trophy Time. What do you got for me this week? What are we looking at? What's new? What's popping? What's popping in the West? Uh, let's see. Overcooked, which you were talking about last week. I was. Sharon the Wanderer is up. Strike Vector EX is up. Mm. Hyperlight Drifter. Let's focus on these. Okay. Transformers Fall of Cybertron. Isn't that the PS3? That an old one, yeah. It's on PS4 now, now, apparently. Um, okay, so. Uh, Overcooked. You were excited about this game. It's a cooking game coming out in the coming weeks for PS4. Seven bronze, three silver, one gold, zero platinum. Fuck this fucking game. The trophies are as follows. Deliver a recipe to the great and terrifying ever peckish. Complete Overcooked and save the Onion Kingdom. Complete a kitchen in the Haunted Forest. Complete a kitchen on a pirate ship. Be awarded three stars in every kitchen. That's the gold trophy. Okay. Complete a kitchen in low earth orbit. Complete a kitchen in the underworld, etc., etc., etc. Some pretty pretty interesting icons. You said one of the icons is broccoli. Yes. Broccoli. That shit's good. There it is. Best, what is it? Best served cold? Best served cold. Complete a kitchen in the Arctic. Ah, broccoli's popular up there. Strike Vector EX. Uh, on PS4, 30 bronze, 6 silver, 4 gold, 1 platinum. Um, basically, trophies for completing uh, chapters, uh, completing missions under a certain amount of time, uh, reaching a certain level, etc., etc. And there are multiplayer trophies galore in this one, so be wary of that. Beware. Shire and the Wanderer, the Vita game I was just talking about. 46 bronze, 6 silver, 2 gold, 1 platinum. Um, this one's going to be pretty tough. Uh, but there are a lot of trophies for completing certain caves or certain areas. Um, for collecting the three dice of fate that we discussed mm-hmm. in the drop, um, and then there are some interesting ones here. And what so unlocking basically all the items in the item book, so like unlocking all the arrows, unlocking all the uh, onigiri, unlocking all the grass, the scrolls, etc. There's a lot of trophies for that. Uh, there are some weird ones though. Um, tomorrow is another day. You consumed a super unlucky seed. Don't Shatter. You tripped and broke a pot. Don't do that. That sounds like Golfar breaking his foot playing Pokemon. Go. Grilled to perfection. You grilled an onigiri expired a peach rotted i got that one <laughs> should eat it faster you you felt lucky punk you got the multiplayer of a sweet nut monster to 1024 times uh so weird things like that caught red-handed you failed a steal attempt unlucky you were defeated by your ally etc uh hyperlight drifter is the final one we'll go over two bronze nine silver eight gold one platinum yeah uh, one shot gold beat the game without dying kill five enemies with a bomb is a silver uh, one of the two bronze trophies trick a dirk to jump off a ledge uh, don't give up you can do it it says don't know what okay that means. don't give up nothing's easy now is it opening death chain dash champion how many can you get diamonds are forever collect all modules 
Shine bright, collect all gear bits. Shine bright, like walk a in dime. closet, collect all outfits. Hoarder, collect everything. Librarian, collect all tablets. Contender, beat horde mode. Bully, beat all bosses. Masochist, beat new game plus. Line them up, hit four enemies with one railgun shot. Armory, collect all weapons. Natural leader, tame a certain wild creature. Is it a chocobo? The picture is a snail. Oh. Well, the go. dash eternal, perform the ultimate chain dash, and star athlete win at the sport of drifters. So a lot of golds and silvers in that one. Okay. And uh, that's it for trophy time this week. In terms of new trophies, Levi Clay, 88, has a question about trophies. Of course, he wrote in to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ, just like you can to get your question read, and says, hey, Colin and Greg, hmm. for a couple of trophy nuts like yourself, this should be an easy one. Or is it? What do you think of the idea of developers being able to code trophies that aren't part of the platinum count? Perhaps even a new tier, though I'd settle for an extra gold. Let me give you an example. I just got the plat for Fallout 4. It was great fun, and I really enjoyed my time in the game. I even like the idea of going back to do it again and having to play on Survivor difficulty. But from what I've seen, this mode is so hard that having a trophy for it would make the Platinum ver- virtually unobtainable. Having, su- having some added quote-unquote super trophies w- for the hardcore would be awesome because if I managed to do it, I'd have a new little trophy to share. But I appreciate this could ruin the trophy list for 99% of trophy hunters. What do you think? Cool idea? Any other examples you'd like to see in this? I just need my utterly pointless rewards and sense of achievements in order to motivate me to do anything these days. Thanks, and P.S. I love you, but I think I love Hot Wings more. Levi in Scotland. It's a good idea. I don't like it being... I don't necessarily... I like where your head's at, Levi. I think that DLC solves that a lot. I always talk about the Uncharted trophy list for Uncharted 2 and 3, right? Where it was the trophies for the Platinum were try a game of multiplayer. And then to keep you playing multiplayer on the updates, they dropped all these different multiplayer trophies in there. Hit this rank, do this crazy thing, get this many kills. I like that. I like games that add them in that way. I think uh, in a similar way, Lego Dimensions does that, right? Where it's like, all right, you can get the Platinum, no problem. And then you get the level packs or you get whatever, you know, the next team thing. That, the level packs, I guess, are the only ones with extra trophies. Here are the added things, the added percentiles. Batman, when it adds in these challenge maps. I think where you guess dicey is that PlayStation's so rigid, it seems, on what the trophy list at launch has to be. It has to be what's based on the disc, what's based on there. Super trophies would make sense, but it would be confusing to other people. Whereas, you know, even when the, right now when they put it in there and has, remember the one, I think it was PS3 that did it for a while on the trophy list where it would have the plus next to it, show, indicating that this is not uh, the game. This is a, additional DLC. So day one DLC that would be free would be able to do this as well. It's an interesting idea. I always like the idea of going back, you know, uh, I you know, had over with Batman uh, Arkham Knight over uh, winter break. That's when I sat down and went through and took, you know, I had the platinum and then I let all the DLC pile up and I went back in and went and got all that stuff. Same thing with Lego Dimensions. I like keeping that percentage at 100% still having the trophy. I hate like on DC Universe Online that it's like I have 22% of the trophies and the platinum. It's like, oh, that's annoying as hell and it, it eats at me, but I can't, I have no time to go back and do all of that. Makes sense, Colin? Yeah, it makes sense. I think it's a nice idea. I don't think you're going to see it. But, no. Uh, but I think it is a nice idea to have strata of trophies um, that don't necessarily affect getting the platinum, like you said, with the DLC list, which I think was a nice workaround for them. Um, I thought that they did on PS3 eventually fix the DLC stuff so that it wouldn't reflect the overall did number. It? In other words, yeah, eventually like you 
I thought so. I think it's isn't it when you drill into it? So like from the outside you would see it, and then you. Well, I'm thinking PS4, I guess. Outside, but isn't there? The but aren't there like subcharts now? Like if you had like Arkham Knight, is aren't there? Like it's Arkham Knight trophies. But that and then counts it has as like my overall of, thing. It says Arkham Knight, and then when I click into it, like it'll if it's like D, DC Universe Online that says 22 percent the trophy. I click in, and the game has the 100 percent platinum, and then all the DLCs mm, there with okay. the different percentages. Well, I'll take your word for averaged it. into that. I actually don't play a lot of games that I even have DLC. So sure. So I, I guess I just don't see that very often. Colin, do you want to jump to reader mail and crush somebody else's dream about trophies? Sure, I love doing that. Uh, reader mail, mail call, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, no. Marky6060 writes into kindoffunny.com slash PSQ just like you can to get your question read and says, Colin and Greg, mm. I just got my first platinum trophy on PS4. It was South Park, Stick of Truth. Nice. And I had papers scattered all over my game room to keep track of those collectibles and missable trophies. Yeah, those are a pain in the ass. Yeah, I know. My question to Shuhei and game developers. Can we have a trophy tracker built into the game or built into the PS4? I know we have the trophy list, but I would love to have a little counter or a notification that tells me if there are any missable trophies or how many collectibles I have left when I enter an area or new part of a game. Would you guys like this feature in your games and do you think it'll ever happen? Some games do it already. Mm -hmm. Some games are great about tracking what how you are on these trophies, what's in this area, where you got to go. The printer ran out of paper. Kevin's got a whole bunch of blue paper out there. God only knows what. So I had burned out paper and I put it oh. in. And it, this is the first sheet of like, is this is it going to print on this guy? Of course, okay. it's going to print on the side that got fucks it. me over. Never mind. And then has all this uh, double printing on it. But I can read through it because I'm a pro. Uh, and then, of course, Xbox has what you're talking about. Remember when, we t- mm-hmm. when I played Quantum Break, we talked about this. That you, you jump into Xbox achievements and it, Quantum, it shows you for every game where you're at. Yeah, this that. thing of that. That's yeah. great. Great idea. Is it going to come PlayStation 4? No. Is every developer going to do it? No. Like this is stuff that the boat sailed on what the PlayStation 4 trophy ecosystem is going to be. Thank God it sinks faster and it works. Let's not, we always talk about this. Let's not forget about how bad PS3 was. Let's accept what we got here and build on it. Yeah, I, I do think the one thing he hit on, which I think would be interesting, is if developers had to tell you if a trophy was missable. Yeah. Or timed. Or I would like that. that. Put it in parentheses, missable. Yeah. I'm like, what's the problem with that? Yeah. That way, like, you just go, like, I just go in with this fear of God when I go into these games sometimes, especially because we get them before they come out often. And we, so there's no information where I'm like, are there missable trophy should i be scared of this i mean this is what i'm and but on the other end it's like this is what happened with i am setsuna and why i won't beat it yet because i just know that there's all this shit i'm gonna miss and i'm just not gonna fucking run around like i'm 12 years old again spending hours and hours and hours looking for shit that's not there yeah i'm just waiting now for someone else to do it for me sure of course so but the problem is sometimes i do that where I'll, i'm gonna wait and then i never get back to it i yeah. feel bad but yeah i'll beat i am setsuna i like it a lot the oh more, no i know you beat the game it, the yeah, yeah, yeah yeah colin mm. i have a quartet of playstation vr questions are you ready Okay. Then put on your visor, sir. Oh. We're going to virtual reality. Just like Tom, but with three M's for some fucking reason. Dash 1993 um. X. He went to kind of desk. His VR question says, hello, governor. Tom here. Long-term fan from England. Rewind E3 2015 Sony Gamescast episode. You'll probably recall being disappointed by the quote two and a half fucking minutes to quote Greg of, of, of PlayStation VR uh, stage time. Contrast that with the rather substantial showing it got at this year's E3. And what are your thoughts now on how Sony is going to support PlayStation VR? Are you convinced they'll support it long enough to merit a purchase? Do you think they heard consumers concerns after showing it at E3 2015? As a student who's strapped for cash, I'm reluctant to even think about investing into it, especially given the way it handled play- they handled PlayStation Move. Love to hear your thoughts beyond. P.S. Bring back resistance. That is all. Here's the thing, Tom. I've talked about this before. You're sick of hearing. I'm sorry, Colin. I believe in what's about to happen with PlayStation VR. When I talk to Shuhei Yoshida about it, he's not trying to sell me on it. He's And he's very clear that for them, this is another PlayStation. This is their PS1. In 20 years, it's going to be completely different. T- taking that, I believe 
I'm ready for the experiences. I have the disposable income. I'm ready for a bunch of just experiences. I always say, or I've been saying for a long time, it's going to be a year of just like, here's this little thing and here's this little thing. And it's, it's not great and it's not great. And then a year in, we get something that you're like, this is cool. It's not going to be a full, it's not going to be a 40 hour RPG. It's not going to be something. It's going to be where you're like, okay, somebody, we're learning from all the mistakes that have been made and what people want and all this feedback we're going to be giving them. But keep, you are very, very much, whoever buys PlayStation VR, whoever has Oculus right now, whoever is Vive, very much tip the spear, very much test case. Your feedback will build the next five years of uh, VR. So for you, a student with limited income, I don't think you need to rush out and buy PlayStation VR. I feel PlayStation VR and I'm not trying to knock you for this, is something right now being designed for, hey, incredibly hardcore PlayStation fan, here's this new piece of tech we're working on, and we haven't even figured it all out yet. Will you seem interested in it? Let's put it on and try some cool shit. I believe, after everything we've gone through with Move, and, now, and when, I, when they launched Play, or announced PlayStation VR, and I was so concerned it was going to be another move, I don't think this is going to be another move. I think they are committed to at least two or three more versions of PlayStation VR before they're like, all right, fuck it. It's a giant. We're making no money. Everything sucks. Life's over. That's my feedback right now before it comes. Maybe in October it comes out totally underwhelms. Everybody hates it and something different. But I think Sony thinks they're sitting pretty right now with PSVR. And I think that this is kind of a reflection of what I said, I think last week or two weeks ago, which is that the the pre-sales are very strong. Um, They're impossible to find now. You're not going to find one in the store unless you're waiting in line all day. And even then you're not going to find one probably. Um, so I think that they're happy with that. They're basically selling everything they can manufacture. Um, and, uh, I think that they just have to convince developers to get on board and that's going to happen only if people buy the unit. Now, I think that if you're in college and you're cash strapped, there's absolutely no reason for you to do this. Um, unless you're like really, really intrigued and really interested in it, which makes sense. But I think that like, you're going to find that these units probably get cheaper, um, and more capable as as things go on. So, um, relative to the hardware that runs them. So. Um, I think that uh, y- y- you should sit back. You have the there's an advantage to not using PSVR, which is that you get to sit back and see what, what, what what's actually going to happen. Test this thing. Why um, do you have to jump in and try to figure it out? And right so I don't. I mean, I understand why you'd want to. I want yeah. to. I'm going to be all over it. I'm, yeah. I'm super. I'm super. I'm totally a believer. But um, I will say that uh, I think that what people miss with the implication of PSVR is that it's going to be a really important thing for Sony, not for PlayStation. Like these things will eventually plug into your TVs and eventually plug into like all sorts of shit. Like I have no doubt that like they're that eventually a Sony Bravia or whatever the fuck TV line they're going to make is going to work with PSVR in the future and probably not that far off. Like the, the, they are probably Doesn't have the guts of the PlayStation built into the TV. Maybe like I, I, cause I'm surprised that Sony hasn't yet really done that with a TV. Yeah. Like, although it's unnecessary, sure. But for like a luxury item or something like that, you a person just like this Bravia 50 inch TV is a PS4. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, comes with the controller and, and all this kind of stuff. You don't have to do anything. And and, and so I, I wouldn't be surprised if like there was a greater scheme, a greater uh, strategy for PSVR than just with PlayStation, that P- that PlayStation's future might not be in the hardware that we know is now, but in 10 or 15 or 20 years might actually be the VR unit itself. And so, um, so I think there's reason to be optimistic and excited. I'm interested to see how it turns out. Um, but I would say again that this isn't a gimmick. I really do think that this is a, a new way to play and, and uh, is here to stay, but we'll, we'll see if that actually pans out. Uh, Colin, as a prognosticator, like Punxsutawney Phil, how long do you think, it, it, how far are we going to push PlayStation VR before we get PlayStation VR 2, before we get renovated uh, visor, a whole new setup? Probably think? the new console. You have to assume you think that, so? yeah, I think that, I. you have to assume that there has to be some sort of hypothesis within Sony that if PSVR does well, that the new PlayStation might require it in some way or work very intimately mm-hmm. with the next version of it. So that like if PlayStation 5 came out in 2019 or something like that, that 
you can buy the console by itself with the controller and play things standard, but it is very intimately intertwined with PSVR 2 or PSVR 3 at that time, you know, Mark 2, II, Mark 3, whatever they're going to call it. Yeah. Um, I do think that Sony was shrewd in getting involved in this. See, this is what I've said before, so I hate to reiterate, but for people that didn't hear, Sony's strategy with PSVR to me is high risk, high reward, as opposed to Microsoft's foray with Oculus, which is low risk, low reward. They have nothing to lose and very little to actually gain because they don't even own the fucking hardware at all so it's basically just a way to play psvr on xbox one or vr rather on xbox one sony invested in something shrewdly i think uh proprietary that i think is going to pay off for them because there's only a few players and there's really only two players that have the means and the um the kind of the, the the credibility with gamers and the and the incredible amount of capital that is necessary to do something like this. And you can look at Samsung and these other companies that what they're doing, that's fine. But Sony has credibility with gamers. They have credibility in electronics. They have, uh, they're an old company with market value and all those kinds of things. Um, not that Samsung isn't, but uh, I just think that they're in a great advantageous position along with Oculus and Facebook to really take over. Um, and I think, as I said before, games are the tip of the spear, but I hope we get to a point with VR, with both PSVR and with other VR units in a few years where we don't even give a fuck about the games anymore. Sure. That's, that's what I'm so excited about is like, if people think that it begins and ends with games, I'm like, you got to think bigger, man, because like this is games are the proving ground for what this can really be and what this can really do. And I, I hope in a few years I could give a flying fuck what games are coming to PSVR. Listen, I want to do other things with it. Aaron H writes in to kind of slash PSQ and says, Hey, Colin and Greg last year, you were talking about Sony's press conferences and then PSVR. And it hit me the first and probably only question I will submit to PS. I love you. XOXO. So I hope it makes the next episode. With PSVR releasing in October and PSX in December, do you think people will be able to attend the keynote via their headset? I don't know exactly how it would work, but it would be awesome for those who can't go. Keep up the good work, Aaron. Aaron, if they aren't doing that, if they aren't doing that, what a fucking missed opportunity. Come on. There has to be a live from a PlayStation VR live app or whatever you want to call it on the uh, cross media bar or whatever you call that. Now your live area space where you jump in, you go and they, yes, there are incredibly special events. There's that there's E3 and it'll be the whole thing of like, how do you make that cool? I don't know. That's not my job, but the ability to have the PSX press conference and have front row center. Here's a 360 camera one behind shoe or whoever's talking on the stage. So you can actually live while you're watching, you know, click the circle button and cycle views. And all of a sudden, you know, you want to see what Adam boys is talking about or not Adam boys anymore. Oh, that's heartbreaking. You want to see what Geo Corsi is talking about when he's talking about the next 15 Vita games mm-hmm. you pop and suddenly you're behind him and you get to see what it's like. You get to feel what it's like to be on a stage. That's amazing. And that's like what you're talking about where VR is getting in or trying to get in right now through gaming, but the opportunities to jump around to go see a live concert, to go do see all these different things. We had had this conversation, I think on this show about like how rad would it be if the PlayStation theater in New York, the whole hook to it was that we have PlayStation VR setups here all the time. So you can buy a ticket to come see Weezer or 311 or whoever's playing. Oh, getting excited there. I'm, I'm seeing Weezer this weekend. So, I'm getting choked up already. Um, I think that uh, I think it's I I think that's what I'm saying. For me, the music implication is the most exciting, along with maybe science uh, related stuff as well. Oh, sure. As I said before, I think that like it would be amazing if NASA when NASA goes to Mars or SpaceX goes to Mars in the next decade or two, that they bring these things with them and they just plop them down on Mars. And they're like, all right, like put on your headset. Yeah. And like, here you are. You know, we we traveled all this distance and you can just do it with your headset. It's way more exciting than playing a video game. I hate to tell you. So yeah. like, you know, that that's why I think like while the implication of the games that we love and we play are are what they are and they're never going to change. That's always going to be what a video game is. VR has greater implications and we should take a lot of pride in the fact that we are the tip of the spear and proving that this can work for the world. 
digital tourism, um, adventures in science that you can take, uh, learning, uh, uh, visiting people and seeing people, um, you know, eliminating uh, the distance between people you love and you want to see more than even cell phones and the Internet has already done. Like the implications are so much more exciting than video games. That's why I think PSVR is worth getting in early on. And and I think in in decades from now, we're going to be talking about the very primitive, very laughable PSVR experience. But right now it is as high tech as it gets, you know, and that's what's exciting when you when Shu talks about it being PS1. You think about like what games are now versus what they were in PlayStation 1. That's when you get a real scope of like, oh shit, this could be something amazing. City of Zeus writes in and says, hi guys, what price points would you consider fair for PSVR games? Should be a wide variety depending how long the games last or one set price. At what point do you say no and refuse to buy? No, no way. I, I think that you're going to see nothing cheaper than... <laughs> Maybe nineteen ninety nine. I think. See the problem. I want it to be a sliding. I want it to be a scale. I want it to be a oh, spectrum. Yeah. I want them to embrace this. But you have got to understand, and this is this is I think going to be the complicated thing for for software sales on PSVR is that these guys aren't pushing volume. In fact, like they've they've dedicated themselves to this platform that has a very limited reach of maybe a few million people in its first year, or year and a half. So they're going to have to make money back. Either Sony's going to have to pay them, or the games are going to have to be more expensive. Mm. So I would not in, like. And I said this before. What I get really excited about. Technical issues aside, is the idea of big publishers selling patches, selling patches for ten or fifteen or twenty dollars that are like this game now works with PSVR entirely. You know, like the perspective change we've gone in and fixed things. There's new UI. Um, and sure, well, there's this different. additional mode. It's what you figure volumes doing, mm. even though they're not paying charging mm. for it. Right. It's uh, what they're doing with the new Tomb Raider deal, where it's like, all right, cool. There's these, we explore the manor, and if you're playing on PlayStation VR, you can do it. Now, granted, again, not exactly what you're saying, but taking a game that exists and building on it. Yeah. So I think that there's going to be a lot of different things. I just I'm concerned that the metric metric of success for let's look at it this way. Um, There were 40 million PS4s in the wild when Uncharted 4 came out and it sold like two million copies in its first week. So that's 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 great. And I'm sure it sold millions more since then. But let's assume that like one in eight PS4 gamers has Uncharted 4. That's like the marquee PlayStation game, right? Yeah. One in eight. Let's say one in seven. To be generous, one in seven PlayStation 4 gamers bought Uncharted, the marquee, most anticipated PlayStation 4 game. Now, whittle those numbers down on PSVR to a, a million, two million people, and the marquee title is going to sell a couple hundred thousand units, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And like you have to, so like these guys either have to be in it for the long haul and willing to eat it, or they're going to be charging more for their games. And so that's why I think Sony has been eerily quiet about how much these games are going to cost. Well, we have a few. So you figure Batman VR, 20 bucks. Uh, and now I have to jump to pounds here because this is what I have. But this is the UK PlayStation Store that's posted these. PlayStation VR Worlds is thirty four ninety nine. Rigs in is, pounds, yeah. So that's gonna be like fifty dollars. Rigs is fifty four ninety nine. So that's gonna be sixty dollars. Tumble that VR. actually is way more than sixty dollars. Tumble Tumble VR is seven ninety nine. Until Dawn Rush of Blood is fifteen ninety nine. Yeah. So and those are all in pounds, right? Yeah. Yeah. So those those are all pretty extreme numbers. I mean, if if the fifty four pounds for rigs translates, that's like seventy five dollars. Now, is the game worth $75? I don't think they're going to charge more than $60 for it. But um, but what I'm saying is that I think that they, I think they are being a little... Uh, I, I think that there's a, a lot of skepticism, rightfully so, about the price point because we just don't know what people need to make back to make this worth their while. That's yeah. the problem is that... I hate to say it like this because I, I, I think that it's it's not... It, it is free market capitalism. It's the way it works. But for us, like we, there's going to be a payoff for us really dedicating actual capital to this as individual gamers because... If we rem- if we all remain skeptical and none of us play it, none of us buy it, then we get nowhere with it. It's exactly. unfortunate that like we have, we some of us have to s- just swallow shit basically and 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 buy these games and do it in order to 
send the message that we want two this. and wave three and wave four of these games. Yeah, it's it's a tough position to be in, you know. Yeah. Um, it's the same similar co- argument we made uh, failed to make really with Vita. So yeah, um, I'll be interested to see how these games translate. But fifty four pounds for rigs is a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. I could have sworn that there was an American price for rigs, but I couldn't find it in the two seconds I googled around for them. I thought it was fifty, but don't quote me on that. Uh, next and final PlayStation VR question comes from Monkey. Who says, hello, Colin and Greg. Hello. With PlayStation VR only a couple months away, I've started thinking about a lot of old games that could possibly work on it. Surprisingly, a lot of Sony's IPs like Colony Wars, Warhawk, Starhawk, and even Jumping Flash almost seem like a perfect fit for the headset. Could they breathe new life into these IPs if they were made exclusively for VR? And what other games could benefit from virtual reality? Yeah, Colony Wars is an obvious one. Perfect example. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's the whole thing is like what he's running down is, or he or she's running down is makes perfect sense. And you look at something like Res where it's like, yep, here's a game that's this. You're going through and you're saying, yeah, Colony Wars makes sense. Uh, Warhawk, I don't know about Starhawk. It's something when you're talking about strategy, that makes a ton of sense. But something older, old school, like Jumping Flash. That's a game I could see. All right, cool. We've taken what you knew about Jumping Flash, Jumping Flash, made it. It was a quick turnaround. It isn't an intense game. It's not, you know, we're showing you, again, something cool, something that would work with what you know. Prop of the Rapper is a big one for me um, yeah. in PSVR. I'm surprised uh, that I just don't understand what they're doing with that game um, or with that franchise. I don't get it. Like, I just don't get yeah. it. Like, out, of all, out of all of the out of all of the IP that they have that one seems to be most culturally relevant for the for the time in which it's not existed like I just don't understand what they're doing with Parappa the Rapper so I, I think that um, that is an obvious one I think you can get away with golf like everybody's golf I think you can get away with I mean they should be doing I, I don't get me wrong I'm excited to get the new Hot Shots Golf period but they should be doing a Hot Shots Golf VR game for sure like with that because that was one of my favorite demos on the Vive and I, you know just going through doing mini golf like do a mini golf for Hot Shots sure why not that, that is fun and that makes sense and that worked really well for that system yeah i think that these these kind of unorthodox franchises do do and maybe will live again um i just would like to believe that they would be smart enough to know that colony wars and parappa and these some of these other franchises do make sense and they should be revitalized colony wars has been dormant for a long time too colony wars has been dormant for almost 20 years so i don't even know if that's even important to bring that back is it i thought there was one that went on ps3 wasn't there i think so i think there's only three on the ps i thought jeff haynes i remember playing it on colony colony wars on ps3 I'll wait because I don't want you to miss any questions. Instead, I'll tell you guys, thanks for watching the show. It's a pleasure doing PS. I love you. XOXO for each and every week. Subscribe to the YouTube channels. Remember, there's two. YouTube.com slash kind of funny games where we post this. And yeah, YouTube.com there's only, there's slash. Only, there's only three. Kind of funny. What am I thinking? Was it was the, uh, was the classic it must have been put out? I remember Jeff uh, talking about Colony Wars for some reason. I don't know. There was three PS1 games. All right. Um, all by uh, Psygnosis, obviously. Which became Studio Studio Liverpool, which is no more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Colony Wars '97, Colony Wars Vengeance '98, and then Red Sun was 2000. I remember Red Sun being a big deal when that came out. Um, so yeah, I don't know what the game was he's talking about. But yeah, that that series has been dormant for 16 plus years. Don't know why. Because people don't care. It's all over. The world gave up. I'm looking here. You giving me a good beat. All right. Question one. Kind of going to parlay into question two. Chaz wrote in to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ and says, Hey, Colin and Greg, with it being summer drought for not only video games news, but also new releases, what is your favorite type of game to play during this time? It seems like games that came out last summer, like Witcher and Batman, would be the perfect type, but was wondering what you guys think. P.S. Thank you, Colin, for answering my question last week with a short review of I Am Setsuna. I plan to pick it up once I get paid. 
Uh, yeah, a lot of people talking all of a sudden about the summer draft. Yeah, it's a slow period right now. There's still too many games coming out. I still have too many things in the backlog to play. But what I'm finding is that I'm playing what I want and not worrying about it. I don't feel like I'm falling behind like I was earlier in the year when I was playing something and then three other games came out and I never got to play them. Yeah, I mean, this is not a drought. I mean, we don't have droughts anymore. Exactly. The way we used to. Yeah. Uh, with the digital platforms, as uh, you know, we just talked about. I mean, not that they're all must-play games or even any of them are, but just talked about like 10 games that are coming out this week. That's, yeah. That 10 games would have come out for PlayStation 3 in a summer. Right. In, you know, 2007. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I like to use it to get back, but usually I'm, I'm passing by games. I mean, I, I like these like kind of smaller arcade experiences. I'm just playing whatever I want. Exactly. I'm not That's trying nice. to be beholden to anything. What's interesting for me is I, you know, you and I don't play games the same way. You like to make everything last. I like to play things and get onto the next thing. Song of the deep is the, the first game of forever that I'm playing where I'll like play 30 minutes of it and then be like, I could keep going, but I'm going to stop and I'm just, I'm chipping away at that over and over and over again. I'm enjoying doing that game that way. Cause that game does feel like a book to me, the way it's told, the way it, I experience it. Uh, I'm anxious to get to the end, but not to the point where I want to sit down and ruin the experience where I get frustrated with something or I feel like I'm have to get this done. Sure. I stop it. I go watch something. I watch that stranger things or whatever and chill out, do other things. Now jumping off to the fact that it's a slow period. King Trenty McTeddykins says, Hey, Colin and Greg, now that Rise of the Tomb Raider has been given an official October 11th release date for PS4, how do you guys think it will do this time around? With the game being released smack dab in the middle of all the big re- re- big releases last year, Fallout 4, Call of Duty, Battlefront, etc., it's clear that it was sent out to die. Do you think that people that waited a year to play it on their PS4 even care anymore to bother picking up with similar big releases only a couple weeks out slash prior to its release? We'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. Keep up the good work. I would love Rise of the Tomb Raider right now. I loved Rise of the Tomb Raider on Xbox. Uh, I, I I always tell that story of like where I almost stopped playing it because I'd like to get the platinum in it. I don't know if I'll have time when it comes out. I don't know if I'll ever get back to when it comes out. Rise of Tomb Raider is a fantastic game and I would love it right now. I do wonder what this release date of October does to it. What that because it does put it up now into right where everything else is running up. We have a million other games to play a million other games that are brand new and I don't know how many people are waiting with bated breath for Rise of the Tomb Raider like they should have. I do think the fact that it has PlayStation VR in it helps it out a lot. In the fact of like, oh, I've heard great things about this game. Maybe I'll get to that part, but I'd rather have something to do with this VR headset I'm picking up. I think it's going to do well. I, I wouldn't be surprised because of the attach rate of PS, or not the attach rate, but the uh, uh, the penetration of PlayStation 4 either compared to Xbox One last year that if it sold even comparably. Mm-hmm. Um, remember that Rise of the Tomb Raider didn't seem to really take off until it came to the PC, actually. And that's, yeah. that's when it actually sold, sold extremely there, well. Yeah. So, um, so I'll be interested to see. No one's going to talk about those numbers, so we're never going to know for sure, but um, I don't think Sony gives a flying fuck how Tomb Raider does. Oh no, I, I guarantee that. So, yeah. so that this is up to Square Enix and Crystal to to make this a, a game and event. And you figure that's um, got to be one of the reasons why VR happened, right? Where they were like, we need, we're not going to get behind this. We're not going to talk about this game. Well, how can you we work with you? What can we do? Well, can right. we make something for PlayStation VR? So, I mean, it was a huge mistake for them to, to make that an Xbox exclusive to begin with. So, um, I think they realize that now. But it was also we talked about it on Gamescast last year. They they did send that game out to die. I have no idea what they were thinking with that release date. It was a, the, really one of the dumbest release dates I've ever seen before. Like why you wouldn't even hold it at that point. Yeah, um, remains to be seen. But they're doing it again, and uh, <laughs> you know they're, they're, they they can, the competition can 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 reap benefits for them if the if the game scores well, which it's going to. I'm sure if it runs properly and and all of that. But there is a lot of competition, stiff competition from new games. Um, that just have that freshness quality that obviously Tomb Raider is not going to have since it's a year old, but I think it'll do fine on PS4. I'm going to play it. Certainly. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm definitely good. I'm looking forward to your thoughts on it. Final question of the week comes from Control Alt Dan. Hello, Greg and Colin. I've long lived with an embarrassing affliction, one that had led to many long nights of ridicule and shame. You see, 
I'm a dirty inverter. I've always taken solace in the fact that Colin, too, shared this shameful condition. After hearing last week's episode, I was delighted to hear that Colin has met somebody that shares and supports his condition. However, I wasn't so lucky. After being an inverted outcast by my friends for years, the final straw came when my wife, a typically casual gamer by nature, expressed her desire to play Lego Marvel Super Heroes co-op with me. Jumping at the chance to share this strangely arousing activity, I promptly fired up the game only to remember why I stopped playing it long ago. The developer's blatant disregard for dirty inverts such as myself by omitting any option to invert the controls. I had no choice but to quit inverted cold turkey and change my controls back to standard. After a few weeks of embarrassing garden warfare matches and some difficulty, sh- some difficult shootouts in Uncharted 4, I've ca- I've come out the other side, a reformed man. I'm proud to say that I it, that I'm proud to say that now up means up and down means down. So my question to you guys is this: Do you think you could ever successfully change your control orientation if a game you really wanted to play required you to do so? No. Now you your brain tricked you once. It your did, brain I had a bad. A, I had a bad month or so. You had a bad trip <laughs> where I couldn't play at all. I couldn't play anything. It was weird. It was a weird time. Nothing made sense. Uh, no, it was a weird. It was around when Borderlands 2, or when I started playing Borderlands 2 on Vita, but it was uh, when Destiny came out, actually, and I was messing around with it. And I'm like, nothing feels right. Like, everything feels wrong, and I just stopped playing games for, like, a month. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what's happening to me. I remember going to Ubisoft, actually, to play Far Cry 4, and I'm like, and they were taking footage, and I'm like, I'm just letting you guys know, like, I'm fucked up right now. I'm not trying to make excuses. <laughs> I'm going I, through some I'm shit. I'm actually pretty good at Far Cry, but um, just letting you know, I'm struggling right now with what's what's up and what's down. Um, I don't like the way he spoke about this in terms of how shame. I mean, he was. he's right though. You guys are, you know, bad. You should be bred out of gaming. <laughs> I kind of don't have any tolerance for you because I hate it when I go to take, play these fucking demos and I pick it up and one of you filthy mudbloods before me are in there and you're all like, I'm looking. Uh, come on, guys. If it's airplane, I understand. Airplane makes sense. A human being? No, come on. We don't have to do this. So, and the question, uh, could I, I? I would. I don't think. I mean, he's got a reason to do it prolonged, I guess, that he wants to play. He understands this is his future with his wife the rest of his life. If they want to play co-op games, it has to happen. Whatever. Why? I mean, why but, does it have to happen? There's one game that didn't let you well, invert. Well, it's going to happen before. Game, I games, mean, games are always going to let you invert. No, there's apparently a, there's not a substantial group of people that let you invert. That, yeah, that, but again, they should be bred That play inverted, rather. Um, I, I, I think a great example of just like how, no, it, I, if there's a game that won't, wouldn't let me play the way I want to play, I would stop. But if it was one game, if this became a reoccurring theme where all of a sudden they're like, everything's inverted. I think I'd have to grit my teeth and figure it out and go through it and go through this inversion I could assignment probably, I, surgery you went through. I could probably I could probably figure it out, but I just won't. Yeah, no. Would I'll you walk away? You'd walk again. away. Your controller in the like, trash can. If there was like some sort of Geneva convention where they were like, we're not inverting controls anymore, I'd be like, I'm done then. Fuck you guys. Damn. Fuck harsh. all of you. you I'll just play 2D do. side scrollers and puzzle games for the rest of my life. <laughs> Colin. Yes. It's time for PS I love this best friend XOXO. This, of course, is where one of you goes to kindoffunny.com slash forums and puts in your PSN name so you can get all sorts of messages from fellow best friends and friend requests and then you can all go play games and have a great time. This one comes from Ryan Turford. Ryan Turford says, Hey Greg and Colin, Hmm. for a long time I considered myself quote unquote platform agnostic, making sure that I play all the games on all the different consoles, though I've been sticking to PS4 for third-party games. After my Xbox One became too expensive to repair, I've decided to take the advice Colin gave us a long time ago, and I've decided to focus on the PlayStation ecosystem. Now, to be clear, you said just pick a ecosystem. You weren't, you weren't stumping for PlayStation. To that end, I'd love to have some more friends on PSN, plus I play Overwatch, parentheses, I acknowledge that I'm a big nerd. I'd also... So I'd love to have some folks to roll with, parentheses, though any friends would be welcome. 
So he's looking for Overwatch friends, but he'll take anything he can get here. He's he needs help. This is Ryan. His PSN ID is fresh underscore obsessed. That's fresh underscore obsessed. He puts in parentheses again. Yes, it's a dumb name. Canadian best friends sim- familiar with the grocery store. A and P will get it. Yes, A and P is obsessed with the fresh. I thought it was I thought it was some kind of like rap or style thing, not an AP reference. Right, right, right. A and P reference. Shoe, hey, please let us change your names. Thanks for being the coolest dudes in video games. You're welcome, Ryan. So everybody, go send fresh underscore obsessed friend requests. Play with him. And this best friend was brought to you by Leaping Tiger. Leaping Tiger right now is doing Tiger. this competition. Tiger punch. Leaping Ooh. Tiger. What is that? Tiger I don't know. Punch? I don't play any of your fucking dork games. Leaping oh, Tiger no. is this app you can get, or you can go to the website, oh, or you no. can get it on your Android, or you get it on the iOS or whatever. You go there, and it helps you partner up with other people to play video games with. Uh, it's available on the iOS, Android, and leaping-tiger.com. Uh, what they're doing right now is a kind of funny verse screw attack competition. Here's how it works. The kind of funny verse screw attack, screw attack rivalry continues, and now you can defend your team's honor. Using the Leaping Tiger social app, check into your favorite game using hashtag TeamKF in your status team up or throw down with other players in the community and fight for the pride of your favorite channel. That's us. Kind of funny. Leaping tiger is available on iOS, Android and at leaping dash tiger.com. So you go there, you get the app, you go play games, you check into them with the hashtag K or I'm sorry, team KF hashtag team KF. And then we beat rooster teeth and then we beat everybody and we're just the best people ever and screw attack sucks and everybody knows it. Colin. Mm. Are you ready for this week's Forgotten PlayStation game? Yes. John P. writes in and says, Hey guys, I have a suggestion for a Forgotten PlayStation game for you. Wild 9. This is the first game I remember that (laughs) needed the, at the time, brand new DualShock controllers. I remember playing ages in in the local shops on the display thing as my parents did their shopping. Picking up the guys with the beam and beating them by smashing into the ground repeatedly. It was a game that at 11 years old I loved, and I was excited when I finally got a copy of my very own. I put it forward as a forgotten PlayStation game since I've heard no one mention it for at least 15 years. Thanks. God, I remember John. that game. I remember, the, God, I remember this. I remember it. I don't remember playing it or even seeing no, it. No, I, I remember... Um, it was always on the shelf. Yeah. I remember the ad campaign for the, this game. Yeah. Smash wow, people with beams. That brought me back. That's a deep cut. That's a deep one. Good job, John. Shiny developed this game. Good job, John P. Colin. <laughs> I didn't know Shiny made this game. It's one of their best. Well, Earthworm Jim's their best, but. Eh, is it? <clears throat> is it? Colin. Yeah. I'm going to give you PSN's worst name of the week. You ready? Okay. This is where one of you goes to kindoffunny.com slash forums and submits your bad PSN name. This is your bad PSN name. Not something you saw online. Your name that you wish you could change, but Shuhei Yoshida will not allow you to do it. This one comes from... An e- this isn't his PSN name, Colin. This is an equally bad kind of funny forum name of AVS Gib. AVS Gib writes in with a bad one. Uh, and I want you to let, let him get to the explanation before you say this, is, this isn't that bad of a name. Ready? Okay. Hey, Colin and Greg. This is my first post and decided to tell you guys about my horrible PSN name after hearing one that hits close to home. Anyways, it all started when I graduated high school and got hired at Little Caesars, and this was right around the time that GTA 5 was coming out. God damn it, you're so young. I know. So three years ago. I decided to spend my... I decided to spend my first paycheck on the PS3 bundle that included the game. I'm not the most imaginative guy out there and just wanted to start playing and came up with the first thing that popped into my head. And that name was Hot underscore and underscore heavy. Hot and heavy. Wow, that wasn't taken? 
That's incredible. Now, of course, this was a take on the very cheap but satisfying pizzas of Little Caesars and me being an over and me being overweight and thought it would be funny. Little did I know at the time that the phrase hot and heavy was more erotic than I originally thought. And I've had a little success making friends since on the PSN. Three years later and 40 pounds lighter, I would love to change my PSN name to something that fits me more appropriately today. So please, Shuhei, let us change our names. AVS Gib. Hot and heavy. Didn't know it was erotic. Thought it was connected only to Little Caesars Pizza. Jesus Christ. Okay. And this happened all of two and a half years ago. Little Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been PSI Love You XOXO episode 45. 45. Thank you for joining us. Remember, PSI Love You XOXO posts every Tuesday at 9 a.m. on YouTube.com slash kind of funny games. So go subscribe and iTunes and podcast services around the globe. So make sure you tell your friends, share it all, put it on your social media. Oh, I don't have that many social media followers. It doesn't matter. Support the show. Put it out. Use the hashtag. Support the show, damn it. We ask so little of you. We sit you here. Consume the show for we, free. You just listen to it. You just fucking sit you there. You laugh. You get you mad at things it up. we say. You're pooping in the thing, and Colin's talking about a poop, and you share. It's like your poops are merging into one. You're a monster. Every episode of PSI Love You XOXO ends in a song in a segment we call Singing to Shoe Hey. This is. <coughs> what am I keep inhaling? What Air? is going on? Air. You're inhaling. No, air. there's some kind of. There's. It's like I'm inhaling cotton or something. Were you making cotton in here earlier? Was I making cotton? You don't make cotton. <laughs> this is where one of you talented motherfuckers goes to kindoffunny.com slash PSM. Submits your song. I need a download link for an MP3 that I can put at the end of our MP3. And I need a YouTube link that I can then annotate to at the end of our YouTube video. This one comes from longtime fan of Colin and Greg, Chris, in Life in 24 Frames. They, of course, debuted a single not too long ago from a new album. They're here to put out another one and tell you a little bit about the album. Chris says, hey, buddy, this will be our last single release before the new album, Control Plus Z, is officially released. The song is titled April, parentheses, The System Fails. The song is about making life changes and the immense struggle we as human beings have accepting them. Sometimes it's best to welcome them with open arms, as impossible as it may seem. I felt it apt to fit all things considered. You guys are poster boys for positive change and pioneers in what you do. You continue to inspire us all. We've been getting a ton of inquiries about the album's release date, and we have good news. As of right now, we are taking pre-orders for a limited edition gatefold color vinyl. Every pre-order will get a digital copy of the record in both FLAC and MP3, and a number of signed 11 by 17 posters of the fantastic artwork by Jason Malberg of DecaBeat. Pre-orders are $30, and and the signed artwork and download card ship immediately after purchase. There are limit. They are limited to 250 pieces and you can pre-order it all at life in 24 frames.com slash pre-order if you never heard of life in 24 frames it's tw- the number 24 so life in 24 frames.com slash pre-order or vr storefront on facebook we've also included a link in the youtube description of our video that you will be annotating too outside of this package we were outside of this package the record will be out digitally worldwide for all streaming outlets and digital outlets in september for this album we have again decided to stay 100% independent so please help us spread the word and share the music it it's through everyone's amazing support that we are able to continue making our music. We love you guys. XOXO, Chris, and Life in 24 Frames. P.S. For anyone in Calgary slash Red Deer slash Edmonton area of Canada, we will be playing up there in September. Come hang with us. Visit the pages for more details. Chris, you know we love Life in 24 Frames. We're excited for the album Control Z. Here is April. The system fails. Until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you. Oh, he's grabbing the panties.
I'm sorry. Until next time, it's been our pleasure to see you.